coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen. Happy Ghost goes to the Hang Sang, Stephen Chow gets a theme park, and we look at the films Love is Pajamas and Ruby Smart. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Wednesday, October 17th, 2012. As usual, I'm your host, Paul Fox, and joining me, as always, right here from his secret location in the Fragrant Harbor, is Mr. Kevin Ma. Hello, everybody. Hello, Paul. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing, sir? Um, good. Just, uh, you know, keeping busy, things yeah. like that. You too? Yeah, you know, it's uh, middle of October. Things are starting to cool down here. Uh, not having to run the air con, you know, through through the... We're past the dog day, hot days of summer, I guess. Uh, so uh, I, I'm liking this time of year. I, I'm, I'm currently engaged in a, a pumpkin hunt. I'm trying to find uh, the sacrificial pumpkin for the end of the month. Uh, haven't been quite as successful as I have been in past years. I haven't found one I really liked yet, but uh, I'm... I'm out and about and actively searching for my victim. Uh, how about you? Any big plans uh, for the remainder of the month? I, I, I saw you tweeted something about uh, film festival stuff and uh, some other stuff going on. Yeah, uh, the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival finally announced their picks this year. Uh, actually, just yesterday, uh, I was at a press conference. And uh, we'll be talking about the picks a little bit in a, uh, yeah, in a little bit during the news section. But that doesn't start until November 2nd. Um, until then, and I think I'll be doing some work for uh, a bit of work for Hexagon Concepts, some movie reviewing work. I don't know if you noticed, my, my review for Due West is now up on lovehkfilm.com. Uh, I'm hoping to write a few more before the, the um, next wave of work comes in. But uh, yeah, just keeping busy. All right. All that sounds good. Uh, but we are here to talk about a lot of other stuff. Uh, we'll get to some news in just a moment. But what films are we going to be looking at this episode? Uh, for East Screen, we'll be looking at Love is Pajamas, the latest film from uh, director Vincent Koch and uh, producer Raymond Wong. Uh, for West Screen, I will be talking about Ruby Sparks, the indie film uh, starring Paul Dano. All right. All that and a little bit more coming up right after a little bit of news. All right, uh, so we've got a bit of news this week. Uh, some interesting news stories out there. Up first from our favorite news site, FilmBiz Asia. Uh, this uh, article coming from Patrick Frader, dated Monday, October 15th, so a bit earlier this week. Uh, China Vision Media Group Limited. Uh, the Hong Kong-listed Chinese film group, is going to be getting into the movie-related theme park business. Now, that might not be all that exciting, because there are a lot of, you know, you've got the Disneys and the Dream Parks out there, and we've heard, you know, rumors of, you know, different theme parks popping up all over the place. 
But uh, what might catch your eye if you're a fan of Hong Kong cinema for this particular deal is that they are going to be working with comedian and director Stephen Chow. Um, the idea is they're going to have put together a joint venture company. Um, I believe the name they're going to name it is Film Arts Center, and this is going to create tourist attraction based on movie properties they jointly desire. Um, now it says the first themed areas or the first themed area is going to be based on Journey to the West. Um, and I'm, and it says that's the one that's currently now in post-production. Um, so I'm guessing it's going to be, the theme areas are going to be based on films they do from here on out. So we're not going to be seeing like a, uh, uh, you know, a, a $6 million man or, uh, theme park or a Kung Fu Hustle theme park, are we? Or do you think they'll go back to some of the older, uh, Chow filmography? Honestly, I, I don't even know what to think of this. I mean, it, it seems like such a, you know, because Journey to the West is not a, it's, it is based on, you know, existing things, but it's, the, the film will be kind of a new take on the tale. It's, a, it's kind of a, not really part of a franchise per se. So I have no idea what they, what, it, what they would do with a theme park. And I think Stephen Chow has a lot of different deals and I don't know why he decided to um, go with theme park of, of all the things that, you know, could make him money. It's a very strange deal to me, especially with DreamWorks, you know, start building their own thing in um, in Shanghai. I mean, it looks, sounds like there's going to be, and Hawaii Brothers uh, building something in Suzhou. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of competition out there in that region. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing that struck me was, I mean, if you're talking about theme parks and, and characters that are suitable for theme park, I instantly thought of uh, CJ7 uh, because of, you know, not... It wasn't a great movie, but it did well in China, and I think there's an animated series for it now, and, you know, it's just with that character and potential spinoffs, it's rife for that kind of a property. Uh, but no mention of that, at least in this article that I could find. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know, I'd be kind of intrigued. Um, I'm just wondering, are we going to go see, like, uh, you know, animatronic Stephen Chow characters, right? Uh, so instead of... Uh, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, um, you'll get uh, from Beijing with love characters. You know, who was the uh, who was the Category Three starlet who had the uh, she had the Madonna thing that was like flamethrowers um, uh, as a bra or something that I remember. Well, I, well, remember well from from Beijing with love, we never get into the uh, theme park because anyway. But yeah, it, it I I can't imagine happening. I mean, the fact that these theme parks are usually announced, you know, free four years ahead you you never know whether you know no one can actually tell when they fail or they they, they forget to 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 materialize into things i think yeah let's move on and uh, talk about our second news story um this news story also coming from film biz asia uh dated also from monday october 15th also from patrick freighter um talks about pegasus entertainment holdings limited uh this is a three-year-old company formed by veteran comedian director and producer raymond wong who we'll be talking about in just a little bit uh, in the film we're going to cover for East Screen this week. Um, he says that uh, this company is expected to join the stock market uh, later this month. Uh, I just, I don't know if this is really intriguing news, but the, the picture they have of him <laughs> on the article is like, it's priceless. Um, he's got this expression like he's laughing all the way to the bank, which he probably is. Um, but if I were an investor and I saw uh, Love is Pajamas and I was thinking that, uh, you know, if, if 
there's any relation between that film and uh, and uh, the the risk of this you know going to be investing in this company, I'd think twice. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that review uh, in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, a little bit of interesting. Uh, I don't know, interesting uh, financial news for those financial people out there who like to follow these kinds of things. Uh, going to be in uh, going to be in the stock market. It says control will remain 75% controlled by a Wong family vehicle that is 60% owned by Raymond Wong and 20% owned each of uh, Edmund Wong and Alvina Wong, his son and daughter, respect, respectively. Uh, the, pla- the placing shares will represent the remaining 25%. So you want to, you know, you got a couple hundred thousand or a million laying around and uh, you want to get in a bed with the Wong family, yeah, buy into their company do a hostile takeover. Maybe you can be like Mitt Romney and uh, uh, do a Bain Capital on it, you know, and uh, buy it up and fire everybody. <laughs> hostile takeover. What do you think, Kevin? Um, I, you know, I'm not so surprised by the, the stock market news as much as the fact that their movies actually make money, according mm. to that news report. I mean, as far as I know, it seems like uh, Magic to Win was a flop, and um, they spend a huge amount of money on... Um, on saving General Yang, um, their New Year films have been doing kind of uh, disappointing numbers in China. I'm surprised they have the money to actually think that they can have a chance in the stock market. But you know, when you have these things, that's the next big step, I suppose. You know, why you're just doing it, Polybonus doing it. Um, put your put your put your company in the stock market, and uh, this these these details actually show you what what kind of a nepotism. Uh, proof of nepotism happening there in the Hong Kong film industry. I mean, it was a company that was started by Raymond Wong for his son to develop his son's skill as a scriptwriter, which is why they, he, he holds 20% of the stock of the, of the shares. Um, and I guess they, they're letting people in because maybe they, they need um, some additional funding. I don't know why, but um, I guess, but the thing is, if they're going to make more films, they love his pajamas. I kind of hope they fail. <laughs> Well, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, that review of Love is Pajamas will be coming up in just a moment. So next bit of news. Um, also, again, from Film Biz Asia this week. Uh, not a really a big deal, but something that kind of grated on my nerves a little bit when I read it. This is uh, also from Patrick Frader, dated Wednesday, October 17th. Uh, the Weinstein Company has finally set a date for the theatrical release of Wuxia uh, in North America, where they're going to name the film Dragon. And uh, they have a poster... Of the film, uh, over there, there's uh, it shows um, Donnie Yen and uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro, sort of it's a red colored poster, and then there's a subtitle down towards the bottom that says "Blood Always Leaves a Trail." I mean, why do they need to change the name? Seriously, and Dragon doesn't really have anything to do with the film. It just it seems like a very almost like a 1970s ploy to, uh, you know, associate some kind of stereotypical signifier uh, with an Asian film. Kevin? Hmm. This is where, I, okay, I was like, because I, I didn't hear questions, I was like, this is where I chime in? Yes, I'm um, oh, sorry. This, this, <laughs> this isn't really news, because I've heard about, this, this, this is already told to Peter Chan when he first bought the movie to Cannes. So, so actually, he already knew that he was going to have to call it Dragon. And yes, he, he, he said that it was all about, it was because of the Weinsteins. Who have a, who have a let's just say, the 
a history of uh, of ruining Asian films with with things like this. Um, but what can you do? The the the, the Weinstein's are power players, and uh, whatever they want, um, we Asians have to listen. Yeah. What can you say, right? Um, and actually, what's worse is that it's not only the name, not only the name changed, but um, uh, people in North America, even for the North America premiere over at the New York Asian Film Festival back in the summer, um, you guys are getting a, a shorter version of the film. I think cut by seven minutes or eight minutes. Yeah, you guys are getting a shorter version of the film because the Weinstein said so. So, um, yeah. Um, but fortunately, you guys can just buy the, um, the original version on DVD. Uh, or Blu-ray on yesasia.com, uh, including free shipping. Uh, and, Shameless and... plug. <laughs> wait, wait, Dad. What? 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 No, I, I'm, no, no, nothing like that. Um, yeah, you guys buy, buy the original version, and I don't think the Weinstein just stopping you yet. So that's the good news. The yeah. bad news is if you want to have a big screen experience in North America of uh, Wuxia Dragon, Wu Dragon Sha. Wuxia Dragon, Dragon Wuxia, whatever the hell we're calling it, um, then you will have to watch the uh, shorter version, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, the next thing you know, they're going to be cutting in, uh, you know, old footage of uh, Jason Scott Lee somehow. I don't know. Uh, in the mirror and like, yeah, <laughs> looking like, yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's kind of lame. That's not all. Nothing really newsworthy about that. I just thought it's it was lame, but but I've stopped getting getting angry over it because it's been it's been yeah, been going on too long. Yeah. All right, uh, so you've got a bit of news story from us about Anne Hoy. Uh, what's this? She got robbed in Wuhan. Yes, this is actually a very interesting story. Uh, last week, um, the Chinese media, a Chinese media, uh, I think Nanfang Daily from uh, Guangdong Province, uh, reported that Anne Hui was. Uh, had her handbag stolen while she was location scouting in Wuhan. Um, of course, the, the news got out, and uh, the police, uh, get, realizing this is a high-profile case, found found her handbag, which includes uh, apparently 21,000 renminbi and uh, I think a couple thousand Hong Kong dollars, um, uh, two cell phones, and uh, the script for her latest film. Um, they were all recovered in five days, but what happened was that um, this forced essentially the 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 the, the film company, Enhui's uh, film company, or the investor for her new film, to reveal details about her upcoming film, which has always been kind of, kind of been on a lowdown, no official announcement yet. Even though many people knew that Tang Wei was going to star in it, no one really knew what the movie was. But so yeah, now thanks to uh, the thief in Wuhan, we all know what Enhui is now working on uh, at the end of the year. It's going. The, the the Chinese title translates to the Golden Age. It's kind of a biopic uh, about an author named Xiao Hong who, who died at a very young age. But uh, the movie will cover her various uh, romantic entanglements. And um, like I said just now, it will star Tang Wei as the author and uh, have a all mainland China cast. Uh, the film will start shooting at the end of the year and shoot pretty much all around China. Um, and it will shoot for about half a year. Uh, it will also, it will be written by the... Um, or the script's already written by the scriptwriter of uh, Postmodern Life of My Aunt. So um, I, I kind of look forward to this. It's, it's, it's Enhui back to China, making a, a kind of a bigger production now, um, and with a very interesting subject and a very good actress. Hmm. Uh, Paul, do you, what do you think? You Does this sound good to you? Oh, yeah, I'm all about Tang Wei. Um, you know, even Speed Angels. <laughs> I like watching the, her in the SK2 commercials now, too. Um, 
but yeah, I'll be interested to see if what I'll really be interested to see if uh, they integrate any of Miss Hoy's experience into the script now. If if you know, maybe they'll add in a a little Easter egg or something about that because um, you know I, one of the, one of the things that I admire about her films is that there's always a there's always a level of sort of down to earthness about a lot of what she ends up putting on the screen. So I'm wondering if, you know, in this film she'll work something in or if that will be the subject of maybe her next film. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be in this film because the, the, the film takes place around the 1930s, I think. Uh, before after war but it'll be kind of a period film so i don't think uh she'll be <laughs> integrating anything uh from her latest uh, experience but it's it's one of the best directors working in the china, greater china region working with one of the best actresses in the greater china region so i think this this this, this uh collaboration is, is definitely something uh worth looking forward to even mm. if it is a china movie yep right uh got another bit of news for us about uh the greatest movie ever right cold war or at least that's what uh, the trailers would have us believe. Yes, the the greatest movie apparently since Murderer, um, according to Echo, at least, um, will be the serving as the cold opening film for this year's uh, Hong Kong Asian Film Festival. Um, yeah, it actually, the 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 the. The film was supposed to open this week here in Hong Kong, but um, several factors, including the fact that um, there's going to be a blackout period of foreign films in China, the opening of National Party Congress, uh, I guess other issues, uh, pushed the film back to November 8th, and uh, so did the Hong Kong opening date. So I think the Hong Kong Asian Film Festival, which is run by the Broadway Cinematheque, whose parent company Broadway also owns Echo, uh, saw that there's a good opportunity to to use the film, give the film a um, good 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 spot, you know, to to kick things off. So it will be sharing the opening night with Taiwanese film When a Wolf Falls in Love with a Sheep, starring Ko Chun Dong, who was uh, last seen in You're the Apple of My Eye. Uh, the, the the festival will close with Kim Ki Dok's um, Golden Lion winning film Pieta, um, and and uh, there's plenty of good stuff coming. You know, you got Caught in the Web, uh, the the the, the Oscar. Oscar contender representing China this year, uh, Dangerous Liaison starring uh, Zhang Ziyi, Zhang Donggun, and Cecilia Chen, the uh, five-hour um, film Penance directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, um, the latest film by Lo Ye, um, um, Sio Sono, uh, Abbas Kiyoshrami, um, lo- lots of lots of good stuff. Just uh, essentially just check out the the lineup uh, on www.hkaff.asia. Uh, the festival runs from November 2nd to the 18th. And uh, yeah, um, plenty of good stuff there. So check it out. I'm still holding out to watch Cold War at the Dynasty. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if we don't watch it at Dynasty, um, I look for I, 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 I am I am um, I am cleaning out the opening night. I, I will not have any film. I would not have any film scheduled from the festival that night. And uh, and we'll watch Cold War at movie mm-hmm. night. All right, a little bit of sad news to sort of close out our news today uh, that you have about uh, someone passing away, right, Kev? Yes, uh, scriptwriter Sito Kamyun. Many of you might not really know his name just from, you know, me saying it, but this is actually a name that you will see quite often if you watch, uh, especially the earlier Milky Way films. Um, Sito Kamyun.
he has been suffering from cancer, uh, I think, for about a year now, uh, according to director Soi Chen, who has collaborated with Sido on many films, including Home Sweet Home, Exile, uh, um, sorry, Accident, uh, Motorway, um, Dog by Dog. Essentially, most of Soi Chang's films um, said that Sido uh, has been has early, uh, first suffered from lung cancer, I believe, and then. Um, he beat that, but then he had uh, brain cancer, and that finally took away his life on Saturday. Um, very well-known scriptwriter. You have see, seen his name on things like... Um, as a co-scriptwriter on uh, really famous Milky Way films, such as Expect the Unexpected, um, A Hero Never Dies, um, also Exiled, um, and... Trying to think here. Um, more stuff, more stuff. Um, essentially, he was he's one of the really staples of the Milky Way writing room. You know, Milky Way has a big committee of, of scriptwriters, but uh, many of these smaller potatoes don't really get credited. So to be credited as a Milky Way scriptwriter is actually quite a big deal uh, in that writer's room. So Cito come here as a very respected scriptwriter, and he's been in the industry for a long time. And um, he still has two more films um, to his name coming. Uh, that'll be the Pang Brothers uh, Inferno and also Soi Chang's um, Creedy Monkey King. So at least we'll see his name on the big screen two more times. But uh, a huge loss to the Hong Kong film industry. Very, very talented scriptwriter, Sido uh, Gumbian. Um, and uh, I will be ch- taking the time to visit as many of his works as I can. Hmm. Yeah, sad news. And uh, only like two years older than me. That's kind of uh, scary. All right. Uh, I think it's time to move on and talk about our first movie. So let me play this. Alright, our first movie up for East Screen this week, the only movie we're going to be having for East Screen this week, in fact, is Love is Pajamas, or is it Love is Pajamas? I don't know, because there's like three, you know, continuous periods there, so I'm not sure exactly uh, how they want you to say it. I think it's more like Love is (sighs) Pajamas. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, what's with the spelling? It's Pajamas, right? Is that like the British spelling or something? I guess I, I so. Care. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, Love is Pajamas is the latest, what would you call this, Chinese wanna, Chinese New Year wannabe film uh, from Vincent Koch. I Maybe it was, it feels like it was intended to be a New Year film, but uh, maybe it didn't make the cut. And we'll get into some of the reasonings and the rationale as to why. Uh, the film stars uh, quite a handful of people, as New Year style films tend to do. Uh, you have young uh, starlet up-and-comer Karina M, who we last saw in Magic to Win. Uh, then there's veteran Teresa Mo. Um, you also have uh, Ronald Cheng and Raymond Lam, uh, fresh from uh, uh, whatever TVB drama he did last. And uh, you've got some other cameos in here, people like Alfred Chung and even the director himself, Vincent Koch, um, and quite a few other people uh, that pop up on occasion. Uh, what is this story about? Well, basically, uh, Teresa Mo plays um, Yu Chantin. She's the mother of Karina M's character, who's basically just called Karina in the film. Uh, Ronald Cheng's character is called Fai, and he is... I'm not really sure what he is. He's kind of like a loungeabout guy who's got this plan to uh, create a multi-million dollar selling app, um, and he's just trying to figure out what that app is. Uh, but he is, they, they sort of play him off a little bit like a, a genius in, in some ways. 
um, because he, he does seem very smart and, and capable in, in some facets. Um, and his, uh, was he his cousin? Uh, is uh, Raymond Lamb, who's called Lucky Owen. Now, Lucky Owen's an interesting character because basically he's got this, I don't know, it's a kind of curse where any woman that sleeps with him will then immediately find uh, the love of her life immediately after. Um, so he's like the most popular guy because everybody just wants to sleep with him so they can then find their true love, basically. Um, which, which, you know, kind of sets up uh, some some attempts at comedy with his character. Um, but this film is really all over the place. Uh, Teresa Moe's character works for a company that is run by Raymond Wong, and they make uh, garments, they make clothing, and he tasks her to create a, a new fashion of uh, men's pajamas, which is really weird. Um, I, I still don't understand why they wanted to make men's pajamas, but that's what she's tasked with, and he's doing this to somehow um, kind of get in good with his... Uh, with his ex-girlfriend, his ex-lover, who's uh, now a successful uh, fashion person in mainland China. And uh, then they bring into the picture um, uh, Lin, Lin Chang, who plays Jojo Wang, and she serves as, as an ex, uh, ex-flame and the, the current love interest for uh, the Raymond Lamb character. So, yeah, this film is really all over the place. It attempts to do the sort of the holiday-style thing where everybody's got sort of a mini storyline going on. Uh, there are lots of gags in between, but a lot of them don't really seem to have any real bearing on the story or the narrative that's going forward. Um, the narrative itself, the whole thing about trying to, to make, you know, the, you end up having these two teams competing to make the the pajamas. It's a little bit reminiscent of uh, Lao Ching Wan and uh, Louis Ku in La Brasier. And uh, it just is nowhere near as good in terms of film. Um, there's a, I don't know if it, if it was in the trailer, but there's a blackface gag that Ronald does, which kind of just had me shaking my head and, and scratching my head and going, what? And it really, it, it's one of those gags that just has nothing to do with the story. It doesn't really even, it's, it's trying to establish... I guess his character as a nice guy because he's doing it to show that he's a nice guy, but it's kind of... No, no, his job. It's his job. He plays a lifestyle extra. So he shows up and plays whatever roles that he's hired to do. But yes, his nice guy thing comes from the fact that he doesn't necessarily take money. Yeah, because he was doing it for the little girl and he wasn't getting yes. paid for it, right? And so... Yes, but that's his job. His yeah. job is he plays a lifestyle extra, yeah. quote-unquote. Um, so yeah, I don't know if... I, is it politically correct? Certainly not. Is it offensive? Ah, it's Ronald Chang, um, who I like. I write, like Ronald Chang a lot. And I think his role here was, the character was kind of okay, but he's really underutilized. Um, he, you know, is paired off with Karina mm, as the, the love interest. And I, I know it's only her second film, but I just, there's something about her that I don't really like as a, as a leading actress, a leading starlet, um, just doesn't appeal to me, at least not in the two films that, that they've put her in yet. Um, Teresa Mo, I think, you know, I like her and she's okay as the mom and, and what she does. You know, she's doing sort of her normal shtick, um, but nothing spectacular. Uh, Raymond Lamb gets some of the best 
uh, laugh gags simply because they pair him against Lin Shang, who makes him seem like a dwarf. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it, there's a couple scenes where they're, it, it's so obvious that he's like standing on apple boxes or something next to her. Um, and it's, it's, it's actually kind of unintentionally funny. Uh, at, a, at a certain point in the film, everyone goes to Hangzhou. Uh, why? Of course, they've because they're, you know, it's a dual-funded film, and they're going to get screen time in both places, and so it looks good if it takes place part of the time in, in China. Um, Alfred Chung does have a cameo. He's the late husband of Teresa Mo's character, so he's not really in the picture, but he is because she's got... Uh, all these video clips of him as sort of like an active app on her, I don't know if it was an iPad or a, or a, a, a Galaxy Note or some other kind of pad device. But I really liked that part. I mean, I, I like Alfred Chung, and, and I found that, that that use of the technology to sort of keep a loved one alive through... She, she basically had these video responses program, programmed in so she could have these conversations... And then she'd play the response from him, you know, and it was obviously an old response. And, and she, you know, had watched these thousands of times, but it kept him alive, and, you know, and, and it kept him going through sort of a daily routine with him. Uh, some might say that that's, you know, mentally, not a mentally good thing, but I, I found it a very interesting use of the app. They, they, they kind of come back to it. At the end, and I, it, it just kind of goes too much. But uh, what they start off with, I thought, was really interesting, and would have liked to see them explore that a little bit more. Uh, it kind of brought a, a little bit of a somber seriousness to this film, that I don't think they intended to. That I think they intended it to be sort of a sight gag, uh, but it, it it left me a little bit um, kind of wanting more, and a little bit conflicted about that. Uh, and that you know, there's um, uh, there's a. Uh, Ronald Cheng's character too. I think that I don't know if you know Vincent Koch, the director, or Ronald Cheng himself watched Big Bang Theory. But one of the things I was saying uh, to um, I think it was a Kozo who we were watching the film with. I said, you know, he's dressing exactly like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. Then that the, Ronald Cheng's character Fi, he's always wearing like a Superman shirt, a Batman shirt, a Flash shirt, and he's usually wearing it. Um, with a sh- as an overshirt, he's wearing a long sort of a long sleeve shirt underneath these sort of geek comic book inspired T-shirts, and that's exactly the style that uh, Sheldon Cooper on Big Bang Theory goes for. So I'm wondering if there was a little bit of influence there uh, in that character uh, taken from that series. Um, I-, I noticed that. I don't know if it's true or not. Just an observation on my part. Uh, there's a big song and dance kind of thing at the end where they all get together and sing. And it's a terrible song. It wasn't anything great about that movie in general the i I was asking on the way out with vincent cock what happened you know um looking back through his filmography uh i there you know he's got a lot of films i like you know dragon loaded uh you know um other stuff he's direct what was the last thing he directed mr and mrs uh incredible mr and mrs incredible that was you know kind of okay um you know supermodel like supermodel um, My Lucky Star, yeah. Uh, I don't know. This Mary a Rich Man that was that was pretty decent, right? Uh, I it's he seems like he's gone downhill the last couple movies. I hope this is not a continuing trend. I don't think it's for lack of talent. I really think it's for lack of effort. Uh, this feels very much like a 
sort of a rushed, sloppy Wong Jing-style production. And it makes me wonder, is he trying to just be the next Wong Jing where he's going to take work and create content just as filler, you know, for whatever post-secondary market wants to buy it up? Um, so, I, you know, despite the fact that I like a couple of the elements inside and, and, I, and I like, you know, some of the veteran actors here, I can't really recommend it. I got to say flee it. Kevin? Well, you know, I'm not the I'm not Wang Jing's biggest fan, but that's not insult Wang Jing here, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to think that Wang Jing could churn out even something as terrible as this movie is an insult, and I and I love to insult Wang Jing, but even this is a little much, <laughs> I think, for the man. Um, yeah, uh, Raymond Wong essentially strikes again and pretends that he's still funny. He has been trying to do it for the last couple of years and on and off. Uh, sometimes it works, uh, sometimes it doesn't. And when it works, I like to say that it's not because of Raymond Wong. And when it doesn't, then I would say it's because of Raymond Wong. Uh, the man has been working for far too long and still pretends he's funny and actually hasn't been funny for I don't even know. Probably hasn't been funny since I was, I was, I was born. Um, anyway, the, the concept is essentially La Brazier, but with women, I think. Um, and it makes Love Brazier look like a really great movie. Um, the entire concept is flimsy. Okay, so so the concept is based on the the, the Chinese saying, right? Uh, men are brothers, women are a laundry, well, women are clothes. To to essentially say that women are expendable and, and therefore and they're interchangeable, like clothes. So is 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 the concept of men as clothes mean that you have to make clothing that are as expendable as men? I don't the whole idea okay but anyway so yeah so the whole thing is flimsy um i was gonna say poor vincent cock uh cook because the man you know he keeps getting terrible material to work on and we're talking about this the second raymond wall movies after uh since um also answer 2009 that was also really similarly terrible um but i realized that he co-wrote the film so mm. there's no excuse this really is his fault uh at least partly um, the script, believe it or not, is not by Edmund Wong. Uh, Edmund Wong, Raymond Wong's son, usually writes the script for the uh, Pegasus Productions, but here he only put his name on as producer. Um, and man, do I miss him, actually. <laughs> this script here is really terrible. Um, not only does it copy Good Luck Chuck, which is the, um, the Dax Shepard, or Dane Cook, the Dane Cook movie. Uh, that's the Raymond Lamb subplot, uh, copies from that film. But it can't even mention sex because of the Chinese uh, censorship. So, yay China. They can't even copy the Hollywood idea correctly. <laughs> um, the script is also rife with repetitive dialogue that treats the audience like they're watching TV. It keeps repeating the same things and, and, and uh, everyone is speaking like, like they're speaking to blind people because they're pretending that the audience can't see anything they do so they have to say any, everything out loud. Um, there's really no heart to the film, even though, like you, like Paul, you were saying the um the thing with the the the, the uh, talking to the dead husband on the app is, it's interesting idea, even though they don't really capitalize on it as well as they should have, um. But it feels like there's no heart. The heart doesn't work because it feels like they're going through the motions. There's little brain behind it. It's quite hollow, and the slapstick has no bite. Nothing is working in this movie. The Vincent Cook's comic timing is completely off. The cast isn't all that good. The material isn't very good. Um, but actually, when you talk about the gag of Ronald Chang, um, it felt like when, you know, this is the first time I speak Ronald Chang actually break out his fluent English. 
Um, before that, he kind of always had to pretend, when he, especially when he does comedic roles, he had to pretend he didn't speak English. Um, and the man actually speaks fluent English. Um, and when he broke it out here, uh, in that moment of improvisation, and that was the only time I think I laughed at the movie. Yeah. So as, as, as politically incorrect as that gag was, at least it was actually funny. Yeah, but even, even, even though, even, even so, with that gag, he was basically just riffing off a lot of what he did in Supermodel, you know? Uh, you know, there they, he did a line something about you know tap that ass or something, and yeah. with the big afro wig that he's wearing, I mean, it was really just the director and and him. Who knows? I don't know if he was really improving that scene, but really going back and tapping, not, not necessarily the ass, but the material from <laughs> Supermodel. But I think that line, that the line itself. I don't imagine Vincent Cook be able to come up. I think it has to come from someone who speaks uh, English as well as Ronald Chang does. So it felt like it was kind of a mix. It, it felt more him than the movie itself. Hmm. So, so, and that was the only moment I laughed. Um, the, the whole thing is just a bunch of fillers and nothing really works. And Karina Ng, you know, I think she'll be just fine. It's like an 80s, clean 80s idol. But at this day and age, like, I don't see her appeal whatsoever. Okay, she's not unattractive, but what else is there to her? She has no reacting skills. She doesn't sing. Um, I, you know, when when you're a trying to be a star and you don't have either of those qualities with two movies, I think three, I'm not sure. No, three movies right now. Um, and you don't have any of those qualities, then, yeah. Um, what's oh. the point of trying to shove, shove her down, down our throats? What uh, was the third movie? Accept her. Um, but, you know, that's what happens when you have... Um, company that 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 discovers quote unquote discovers a star and wants to make her a star and you know we have to watch her movies um well we don't have to but this is what we get um yeah it was just plain flat out irritating yeah so definitely well, do you know who the third movie off offhand uh wasn't one one of the also ends well i think she made a cameo at least if she wasn't in it. Mm. i mean she's that company girl Let's see if uh yeah it's not it wasn't a starring role and also ends well but i remember she had a cameo I think. Yeah, uh, over at the uh, lovehkfilm.com entry, they've got Magic to Win and All's Well Ends Well 2012. Yeah, so this is her third. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's just not a not a big draw for me for for some reason. Uh, but uh, interestingly enough, Love is Pajamas is over on uh, Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> with no reviews. <laughs> So maybe yeah, you should, well, yeah, you I should write a review on, on Rotten Tomatoes. It never got a, a U.S. opening, so I don't see what the point of having it on Rotten Tomatoes is. But uh, there, yeah. there you go. Even I can't get a Rotten Tomatoes, and yet this movie can. I mean, how can you not be irritated? <laughs> <laughs> Angry Kevin. Uh, anyway, so that's that. Yeah, I think I think. What color does Angry Kevin it, turn uh, when he gets angry? But yeah, if anything, the only thing worth watching is a two-minute YouTube clip of Ronald Chang's first scene. I think that's about it. Is that on YouTube? That whole huh? scene? Not not yet, but yeah. uh, I'm sure it'll be on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, sadly, let us uh, leave Love Is Pajamas for now and move on to something else. East Green, West Green. All right, uh, we've got a West Green film for this week, and that is the film Ruby Sparks. Now, I haven't seen this film, but Kevin has, so the ball is completely in your court, sir. Oh, 
Wow, that's that's a lot of pressure. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, Ruby Sparks is uh, kind of the indie sensation of the year, I suppose, even though it ended up not doing very well at the box office. But uh, I think it premiered Sundance and was is essentially one of those, you know, the indie hip indie movie this past summer. Um, the film stars Paul Dano as um, Calvin Weird Fields. Yes, I realize his name is Calvin. Um, he's a writer who essentially wrote. A, a classic novel at the age of 19 and uh, had been living in L.A., I guess, living off his royalties, um, trying to come up with a follow-up and uh, hasn't been able to. He's written a couple of short stories, but hasn't been able to repeat the same kind of success that he, he had when he was 19. So now it's been 10 years, and um, he still hasn't been, been, been able to write that 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 follow up and he's he's kind of had uh, having writer's block. Um, so his his um, and he's still coming off a very terrible breakup with a, a girlfriend a couple of years ago. So his therapist, uh, played by Elliot Gu, tells him um, to do a exercise and just essentially write about write about something. And so Calvin says, "Okay, I'll write about this girl that I'm seeing in my dreams. There's talking to me in my dreams." So he decides to uh, write about her as an exercise and. Um, he begins to fall in love with the character. He keeps writing and writing and writing, um, and and kind of breaks his funk. Uh, his his therapist says the work is great, and I encourage him to write more. But one morning, uh, the girl in the book Ruby actually shows up uh, in reality, as in she is living in her house. She is living in his house and and sitting there, and and um, becomes a real character or a real person. So. Um, yeah, and, and she's automatically uh, Calvin's girlfriend. So the film is about how he comes to terms with you know his fictional character coming to life. Um, they're a little happy time together, and um, really the essentially the, the problems with when your fictional character comes alive. Um, it's a very typical whimsical indie movie. Uh, you, you know, you're you have sunny LA and people driving up the coast and, you know, people living in, 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 in medium sized houses, pools and stuff. It's a very kind of, um, hip, uh, whimsical indie movie, but, uh, with fantasy twists, uh, which is actually the hook of the film. But what it does very well here, um, is that it, it, it actually taps into a problem that every writer, including myself, because, you know, haven't been, you know, learn how to write scripts. Uh, it's something that every one of us will run into, and it's to create a, a believable character. Um, at one point, Calvin's brother Harry reads the manuscript and says, um, "In real life, you know, girls with complicated problems you don't become endearing; they become problematic, they become trouble." So, what Calvin actually has to do is create a believable character, not a girl, a human, and that is very much a problem that you know many of us writers actually run into. Um, so in a way, the script itself also balances that very well. It, it, it handles the whimsical and fantasy aspect. Um, uh, you, you know, it's very cute, very funny. Um, the way they try to change Ruby's character, try to prove that uh, Ruby's a real character by, by changing, uh, typing out things. And then she takes on those, as uh, those, those traits. Um, that's very cute. Um, but at the same time, also handles the character flaws, uh, very well. Um, you know, Calvin, we see Calvin as a tortured writer, but he's also we also see that he might have had has something to do with the the uh, the breakup of his previous relationship and that he himself is not really a perfect character. Um, and even the character he created is not really a perfect character. Um, so so that that is it, it create it strikes a very, you know, nice balance. Um, Paul Dano is Paul Dano. You know, you've seen him in, you know, 
uh, there will be blood. We see him uh, in, I think, Little Miss Sunshine. Was he in Little Miss Sunshine? Little Miss Sunshine? I don't remember. But you've seen him in other films. It's essentially the same Paul Dano performance. Um, Zoe Kassan, who is actually the writer and also um, Paul Dano's a real-life girlfriend, she's okay. She plays the, the fantasy Ruby. She's not really the typical fantasy beauty character, but, um, you know, she, she, she's okay. Um, because the, the, the supporting cast is the real treat here. You have uh, Chris Messina, who, who you might have last seen in the newsroom as the as Reese, the, the bad guy, uh, or playing Jane Fonda's son. He plays a brother here, and he gives a really good... He's actually quite a nice guy here. It's very interesting to see him play a nice guy, and it's very funny. Um, also, Annette Benning and Antonio Banderas shows up as uh, Calvin's uh, mother and stepfather, uh, respectively. And, those, you know, they're, they're very good on screen, they're, even though they only have uh, about 10 minutes of screen time. Um, but the true, true star here is actually Kazan's script. Um... Kazan, uh, Zoe Kazan, the, because of the girl who, play, who plays Ruby, comes from a family of scriptwriters. Her, 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 her mother uh, is a scriptwriter. She, she wrote the story for Benjamin Button, also adapted, um, what was it, the Geisha movie, Memoirs of a Geisha, and uh, wrote Little Woman. Uh, her father is also a, a scriptwriter. Her grandfather is Ilya Kazan, the director, I think the director of On the Waterfront. So this is, this is a real family of filmmakers. So... For her to churn out something like this, I guess, is to be expected. Um, and uh, like I said, as an expiring scriptwriter, it makes me insanely jealous mm. that someone, someone a, a year older than me can churn out something as good as this. Um, it's not a perfect script. Um, there's some stuff that's left to be resolved at the end. Um, it has weakness here and there, but it's pretty close to damn perfect. Let me, um, let me ask you, because you know, I haven't seen the film, but in seeing some of the promotional stuff for it, um, it kind of gave me the sense of, uh, the film from a few years ago with, uh, uh, Nanny McPhee Stranger. and, uh, Will Stranger Ferrell. Than yeah, Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. Is it, is it, uh, you know, how did I, is it, is it a better film than that one? Or, cause I really like Stranger Than Fiction a lot. Yeah, I haven't seen Stranger Than Fiction, but it certainly goes in that territory. I mean, it's about him, uh, the writer... Realizing that he is he is a um, he's a book a book character, right? Uh, in Stranger Than Fiction, yeah, yeah, he he finds out that um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I can Emma Thompson. Is Emma Thompson, out his yeah, life. she's Will the writer, yeah, 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 and he finds out that uh, that she, the character she writes is is him somehow. There's yeah. a, there's a connection, so yeah, yeah. So similar like that, but of course there's a love story element to it and um, a fantasy element to it, and again, it's very much about yeah, I, I, I haven't seen Stranger Than Fiction, but I could imagine that it shares some of those stuff. So, yeah, if you enjoyed Stranger Than Fiction, it certainly seems like you'll be on a, in that same vein. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, right. so, yeah. Um, but like I said, the script isn't perfect, but it, it very much... It sticks close to the romance as, aspect of it, and then um, it seems like Emma Thompson... Uh, and like Stranger Than Fiction here, the, the, the writer and the character... Is the their relationship is very much the center of the um <clears throat> the center of the the story, especially um in how when the writer realizes that how much he can control her, and that's really actually the when the movie gets really interesting. Um, so you know anyone into hip indie comedy or anyone interested in the art of writing, uh, writers, and so on, yeah, um, definitely see it. It's, it's a very enjoyable film, and it makes me want to write again. All right, so get writing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish if I could write Gah, Kazan 
Kazan family. I am not from a famous scriptwriting family. You, you need to do it like uh, Shatner, right? Kazan! No. Kazan. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think that's it for our uh, West screen. I'm interested to see that film if I can get a free moment to get out and watch it. Um, so, yeah, I think it's time to uh, play this. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. All right, folks, I think that's going to do it for our show this week. Of course, if you'd like to be part of the show, you've got many choices uh, that you can choose from. You can always head over to our website at www.concast.com. You can leave us some comments or some feedback over there. We'd be happy to hear from you. Of course, iTunes is a great place to stop by. Leave us a five, four, three star review if you're happy with the show. Um, If you think some things need to be changed or improved, let us know that too. Uh, if you're interested in following what we're doing on a sort of a day-to-day basis, uh, twitter.com slash concast uh, to follow show updates, uh, twitter.com slash foxlore uh, to follow some of the very strange things that I tend to tweet about. And, of course, I urge you to follow twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. Uh, that is one word, thegoldenrock. And to follow Kevin and many of the things that he tweets uh, on our daily basis about the film industry, film news, uh, all kinds of interesting and important stuff if you're somebody who's uh, interested in Asian film or in, particularly in Chinese film. Uh, email, you can hit us up at Gmail. Uh, that is eastscreen at gmail.com. Again, send us questions, comments, or even a short audio review, and we can play it here on the show. Keep it short and sweet. And we're on the Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash easts. West S, uh, and uh, Kevin is diligently over there uh, in the Facebook world, keeping us uh, updated with uh, notes and all that good stuff. And of course, uh, got additional notes over on Google Plus. If you search for my profile, Paul Fox, you'll find me over there. And uh, if you're interested in going to be in Hong Kong and interested in joining the movie nights, uh, drop me a line there too, and I can get you into the movie group circulation. Uh, but that's only going to be useful if you're here in Hong Kong. Catch us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone. Uh, Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support. Additional thanks go out to Rob Gubbers of Schnauzer Studios for our theme, Ross Chen of LoveHKFilm.com for helping organize movie nights here in Hong Kong, and, of course, uh, the K-Man for sticking with me for 128 soon to be 129 episodes and of course all of you the listeners whether you're among the masses that we have currently in the chat room uh talking up storms about the film industry um if you're listening on the live stream or if you listen to us in post podcast form uh we're happy that you're out there and we like the fact that you like our show next episode uh, 129 uh we got any asian films on the horizon for next week kevin uh next week is uh the new patrick Kong film natural born lovers yes yes that's next or that doesn't start tomorrow does it that does not start tomorrow so nothing this week because yeah. co-work got pushed back yeah uh next next week will be natural born lovers uh followed by 
Uh, we might not get anything until Cold War mm. uh, because James Bond is on the first. And then Cold War and then Triad. And we have a steady stream of Hong Kong films uh, starting November. Yeah. Uh, but of course, uh, December is going to be a big month. We do have uh, Judge Dredd starting this week, so I'm gonna, and Frank and Weenie. So I'm definitely going to try and get out and see those. We might talk about those on our next episode. Uh, I'll try and maybe, I don't know, get a hold of a Bollywood movie, or maybe Kevin will get out and we'll see something interesting for our East Green section. Uh, but whatever the case may be, uh, all of that and much more will be on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen West Screen wishing you good viewing, and we will see you next week. See you next week, everybody. You want to do the uh, you want to do the intro this week? Yeah, which voice do you want me to do it in? Uh, you know, your choice, my friend. You can do it in your uh, <laughs> Linda Blair evil possessed voice because we are getting close to Halloween. Coming up, <laughs> uh, no, um, no, just do it. Uh, do it. Uh, you do it live regularly. Uh, I'll do it live, bitches. <laughs> is that your uh, is that your what's his name voice um uh oh what's his name i don't know what voice that was <laughs> no the do it live uh bill o'reilly <laughs> is that your bill o'reilly voice oh god i don't even know how i don't even know if i have the uh if i lack the conscience to do do, do your mitt romney voice they just O'Reilly had the voice. debate can you do a mitt romney no, I don't even know how to do Mitt Romney. I can uh, no, I, I I'm actually I I, pre- I like to think of myself good at voices, but actually I'm I'm not. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'm really terrible at voices. So uh, I will I will refrain. Okay. Well, just play it by ear. All right. <clears throat> All right. We'll oh, my, 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 start my, my, my. in uh, when you're ready. After I count down, three, two.